Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Victoria Berry, the Communications Manager for Grain Farmers of Ontario. She will talk about how the organization has adapted communications to our farmer members and the general public during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as look back at a decade of communications as we continue our 10th anniversary highlights this year. We also get an update from Marcus Hurl, the chair of Green Farmers of Ontario's Board of Directors. First, a Green Talk News update. The province continues to operate under an emergency order with social distancing and business closures as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Grain Farmers of Ontario's office remains closed. However, the staff continues to work from home to support our farmer members. Please visit the Grain Farmers of Ontario website, gfo.ca slash COVID-19 for updates. Grain Farmers of Ontario is working to increase government support for grain farmers who are concerned about the future of their businesses. A recent survey of farmer members found that more than 60% are concerned about their ability to survive this downturn. 86% expect their net income to be reduced in 2020 as a result of a reduction in sales following the cancellation or delay of existing contracts and low commodity prices. Cash flow and the ability to cover the cost of production are also growing concerns for grain farmers. The federal government has a suite of programs that need to be updated to help see farmers through this crisis. The programs are assurance programs and not bailouts. Grain Farmers of Ontario continues to request that the federal government inject farmers' agri-invest accounts with 5% of net sales and to fund agri-stability to 85%, and that the provincial government fully fund its assurance program for farmers. Grain Farmers of Ontario recently launched an awareness campaign with the federal government, and we will hear more on that campaign from both Victoria Berry and Marcus Hurl later in the podcast. Dr. Helen Booker has been hired as an associate professor in the Department of Plant Agriculture at the University of Guelph to take on the Grain Farmers of Ontario professorship in wheat breeding and genetics. This position was supported by a $1 million investment made in 2013 involving Grain Farmers of Ontario, CCAN, and the Ontario Agricultural College. Booker will conduct both basic and applied research in plant breeding and genetics, her research will focus on creating novel cereal varieties with enhanced productivity, disease resistance, pest resistance, and enhanced utility in crop rotation systems. She will also teach undergraduate and graduate level courses and advise graduate students. Booker will officially start in the role on September 1st, but will begin a two-month research scientist position on July 1st to manage the University of Guelph wheat breeding program during the summer months. With spring planting underway across the province, Grain Farmers of Ontario is offering webinars focused on crop management and weed control. You can access these webinars at gfo.ca slash grain talk. Additional information can also be found in the agronomy section of our website, including a new agronomy alert highlighting the need to control the spread of water hemp. And now, here's my conversation with Victoria Berry. Joining us on the Grain Talk podcast is Victoria Berry. She is the Communications Manager for Grain Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for joining us today, Victoria. 
Thanks for having me, Rachel. So we initially asked you to come on the podcast this week because we've been profiling the different managers and a look back at the 10th anniversary for our organization. But uh, we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. First, though, we wanted to start with a little bit of a discussion on communications and COVID-19 and the impact that that's had not only on us as an organization, but also for our farmer members. So why don't we start, I guess, with maybe just a bit about a general sense of how has COVID-19 affected Grain Farmers of Ontario? Beyond sort of our, you know, the the way that everybody has shifted into remote working and, and sort of the the new way of working that comes with that in terms of the virtual experience and and all these different conference calls and video calls that we didn't used to do and now we're doing you know daily if hourly um, depending on on how how many you have scheduled in a day I think uh, some of the things that have really changed is that um, we've had you know we we don't have these in person opportunities right now when it comes to you know some of the um, spring and even going into summer the farm shows that we would traditionally be at the, uh, you know, community and rural events we would be at where it would be a really good opportunity for us to meet with our farmer members, um, things like the March Classic and the semi-annual uh, that had to be cancelled. Uh, you know, th this is a different dynamic for us where we're not able to be in person or, you know, even if we used to go and do farm visits or have researchers out, all of these things have shifted. So I think that there is definitely just more of a focus on digital communications and how do you use email and how do we use the Ontario Grain Farmer to get communications to our members? How do we use things like this podcast, the Grain Talk podcast and our e-news? There's just a heavier reliance on those types of communication channels than maybe we had when we could amplify those with in-person communications. Um, so I think that's the, you know, some of the main differences that that we're seeing from a communication side. You mentioned some of our com our consumer initiatives that we do, and recently it was announced that the CNE in Toronto is going to be cancelled for this year. So with big events like that, how are we adapting what we do and how we interact with consumers? Mm, so there's a, yeah, there's a large number of events that we have traditionally used as a pipeline to the consumer that have been cancelled from, as you mentioned, CNE. We're looking, you know, normally we are on Parliament Hill for Canada Day and we have a presence there and it's a great opportunity for us to connect with the public. Uh, you know, we visit over about 30 fairs a year, uh, you know, at the Honda Indy, all of these things that are question marks. Um, you know, it, we really have had to shift. So we're doing a lot more, uh, you know, in terms of social media outreach, uh, a lot more um, things that we're doing on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're looking at how do we provide virtual content to any of these events that are going to have a virtual component instead of the in-person event. Um, and, uh, you know, ha again, I, it's shifting. It's a shifting thought to how do I leverage where everyone is right now and everyone is in front of their computer everyone is you know looking at social media to stay connected to friends and family how do we how do we ensure that we're being helpful and and providing good content we've had amazing uptake on the you know good and every grain has been putting out scavenger hunts and coloring sheets and recipes and how-to videos and you know all these different like crafts that you can make with grains all these different things and we've had really great uptake on a lot of that content, more than we've ever had before. Um, and I think that's a sign of the times. You also mentioned 
changing the way we communicate with our farmer members. What additional ways are we reaching out to them? We're using our, you know, our email list a lot more and anyone who's listening who, who hasn't received emails from us and is a farmer member, I urge them to get in contact with us and share their email addresses so that we have the most up-to-date information. Uh, and, and also looking at social media, um, you know, as more and more of our farmer members um, are becoming active on Twitter, how do we leverage that to to stay in communication with them? Um, and then how do we, you know, work with our partners, uh, you know, at, ra at rural radio stations and, uh, and provide them content so that our farmer members have access to that kind of information. And then we're working with our teams uh, within Grain Farmers of Ontario, you know, what, what are different, um, you know, printed materials that we can share out with members or we can have digital copies of it for them uh, that will help them uh, connect with us or make decisions or understand opportunities, whether it's from market development or research. Uh, so we're sort of looking at those as well. So in addition to all of the, I guess, usual information, agronomy and government relations and, and market development, like, like you've mentioned, we're really focusing as well on how can we help our farmer members during this time. Mm. And recently we did a survey of our farmers just mm. to find out how they're coping with the impact of COVID-19. What did we learn from that survey? Yeah, that was a, a really interesting, um, a really interesting and quick survey. I think we we ran it over the course of maybe five or six days and had, you know, I think over 1100 responses, which is an amazing response um, in the first, you know, in you never know what kind of response you're going to get to a survey. And so I think it was it was a it was a clear indicator that people um, wanted to share the issues that they were facing. And I think that, um, I think there were, you know, we, we knew that people were concerned and I think this really, really reinforced that, you know, we saw, um, I, over 85% of our farmer members expected their net income to be reduced in 2020. And, you know, over half of the people who responded were already seeing a reduction in sales with another like 24% that were um, experiencing cancellation or delays of contracts. And then we had, you know, 61% who were worried about their farm's, you know, viability to see it through, you know, this current situation and the current markets. And over half of the respondents were worried that they wouldn't be able to cover the cost of production. And that was pretty frightening for us to hear about from our members that, you know, there was that much concern in terms of, just experiencing loss. And after the last two really tough years of planting and harvesting um, with dawn and corn and then with the unpredictable and, and incredibly wet uh, seasons, you know, we wanted to make sure we, we understood all of the concerns. And some of that is COVID related and some of it is COVID just piling on other things. And we understand that too. What are we um, hoping that government understands with the results of this survey? I know that we have been working for a long time now to get better support from government. As you mentioned, COVID-19 is just the latest in problems that farmers have been facing that have impacted their ability to continue to thrive in their business. Um, what are we, what else are we doing with this survey in terms of connecting with the government? Right. So we're sharing um, a, uh, the information with the government that we found in the survey. And I think you know, one of the things that we need to to do as an organization and a community is, you know, there there are so many people in the world, and we all know this. Uh, if you work in agriculture, you know that outside of agriculture, there are a lot of people disconnected 
to what agriculture does and what it provides for the province and country and world. And knowing that, I think, um, I think that we have to be aware and make aware government and politicians who, who are part of that disconnected, you know, group of people, make them aware that just because, you know, you see a, you see a, a sprayer and a, a, you know, a planter in the field. And that means that farmers are out there doing what they all, what they want to do, what they, they promise to do. And they're, you, but that doesn't mean that everything is okay, right? That doesn't mean that everything is fine and that they're going to be fine and that there's, there's a way for them to survive at the end of it if they're having to sell grain for for a cost that is so low that they're lose they're actually losing money and they're not providing a family income or a business income. And so I think we need to make that a little bit more abundantly clear that just because farmers are out there doing doing the work and doing their job that is that doesn't mean that everything is fine and it doesn't mean that we don't need their support and we don't need them to partner with us to take the risk that planting a crop implies. Um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, obvious hurt in agriculture right now across the board. And some of that is just easier to see than it is in grain farming. And I think we suffer um, because of that uh, in terms of being, being overlooked a lot by our government when it comes to real, you know, uh, real adequate support. One way that Grain Farmers of Ontario is trying to get that attention from government is with a new ad that has been launched on social media. And, you know, there's been a bit of talk about that in the last couple of days. Can you um, explain to us um, a bit more about that ad? Yeah, so it, you you kind of nailed it when you said that there's been a targeted ad that, that we put out. Um, it It is very much targeted at to get the attention of government. Um, you know, we're not we're not sharing all the data points and we're not trying to share all the data points or, 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 or tell the story to government, but we need to get their attention. We need to draw attention uh, from them and, and start those conversations in a new way because the, the conversations to date have been very much, uh, you know, um, you know, that we understand, you know, the, the, the story that we're getting is that they understand our issues or, or they understand that there's concern uh, and they just need to review it a little bit more. They just need, and it's been a lot of years of that. And and uh, and here we are at a situation where we have 61% of our farmer members telling us they're not sure about the viability of their farm if this continues. So we have to talk to the government and say, you need to partner with us in this. You need to be part of the solution to this. And grain farming is an area that you actually need to provide some focus and support for. Um, and so I think that the ad itself, you know, a lot of what we're doing with it is very much how do we target the politician? How do we get it in front of the politicians? And that's the main, that's the main goal of it. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of talk about it and there's a lot of back and forth um, and that's expected, right? Everybody's going to have a reaction to it. And, and, but we need it to do that. We need it to do a certain job for us. And that's what we're focused on. Now, with Grain Farmers of Ontario, this isn't the first controversial thing that we've done in our 10-year history, by by no means. And so I think that, that we're, you know, it's a good time now to talk about the past 10 years of Grain Farmers of Ontario as an organization. So from your perspective, what are some of the big communication stories that we've had during the past 10 years that, again, some of them have been pretty controversial? 
Yeah. Uh, so, so definitely um, before my time, but, but obviously on the radar <laughs> of a lot of people, you know, was the neonics discussions that happened several years ago and how the organization was able to provide that unified voice for farmers to government around those regulations and around what needed to happen with those regulations and trying to point out, you know, where, where things were doing actual detriment again to business. And when you do detriment to farming businesses, you do detriment to your entire economy. And I think sometimes that escapes notice is that it is how much is built upon the back of agriculture in terms of our full economy as a province and a country. And so um, I think the neonics and, and now, you know, our, uh, our movement on uh, during election times um, and our very, uh, you know, targeted asks of government and, and has drawn a lot of attention. Um, and I think that's what it needs to do, right? We need to start those conversations and we need to make it clear that those conversations need to happen. And so, yes, you're right. It's not the first time and I don't think it'll be the last time. Um, but I do think that it is very important that our five crops have a unified voice in these discussions, working on behalf of farmer members and, 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 you know, each farmer member has different needs um, and, and different, you know, issues and asks. And, and we try to, you know, capture a lot of that different issues will have different needs for different people, but but we'll go to bat for for our farmer members. And I think that that's really important. Another controversial change for communications was with our consumer outreach campaign. Farmers Feed Cities was a very popular campaign, but many people forget that that started as a political campaign and it sort of mm -hmm. transitioned over the years into more of consumer outreach. And there wasn't that connection that Farmers Feed Cities was a program of grain farmers of Ontario and, and the grain focus was lost. And that's why Good in Every Grain was developed. From your perspective, um, how has that shift, that focus to grain benefited our farmer members? Yeah, I think that the shift from Farmers Feed Cities to, to Good in Every Grain was actually a real milestone for the organization as well, because you're right, what started out as a very, um, a very focused political campaign uh, became a rallying cry, you know, for a lot of people beyond um, beyond grain farmers, and and we're still asked about that campaign today. Um, but but it wasn't really doing the job of educating the public on grain farming or grain farmers or the benefits of grain to uh, health, to the economy, to all of that. And so I think that transitioning to good in every grain became really important for our farmer members because we were able to tell those focused stories on grains and grain farming to the public and to find opportunities that would align with those stories um, in a more focused manner. Like if you think of the Honda Indy sponsorship that we've done to tell that ethanol, you know, corn, corn and ethanol story, um, that's been really important. And that that is something that has just uh, fit under good in every grain in, in a really great way um, that wouldn't have uh, with Farmer Speed Cities in, in the same way. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, as that that campaign needed to shift too from a messaging standpoint, uh, looking at it, uh, you know, it, it was a. Uh, it was a great rallying cry for the industry at the time, and but it was also a very divisive one. And so 
Um, I do think Good in Every Grain is a very positive and heartfelt campaign and, and uh, brand. And I think that that really works to, to our benefit. When we look back at the formation of Grain Farmers of Ontario, Obviously, neither one of us were, were here 10 years ago, but, um, you know, we benefited from, from the coming together of originally the three commodities, but now five. Why is it so important as an organization and from communications that we are sort of one, as you mentioned, unified voice? I think that there are so many of our members who would farm a mixture of any of those five crop of our five crops um, that looking after or trying to find ways to look after the best interests that would serve farmer members across the board and and give a larger voice um i think just makes more sense uh in terms of the you know influence you can have within um industry and within government and within the public it gives you an opportunity to to tell sort of a a broader grain story which i think can be really powerful um, and you can kind of weave them all together and, uh, and it gives you a, a, a lot of um, content rich uh, um, things to work with. And, and I think that that's really important. Uh, I just think that the, the singular voice on behalf of farmer members who were already um, working with a lot of those grains, just it makes so much sense to bring that together and to form that voice on so many different um, levels and to so many different audiences. I want to just take a minute to focus on, we talked a lot about consumer and government communications, but that communication direct to our farmer members through the various forms that we have. Um, we know that the demographic of our farmers is changing, um, but still we know that our, our magazine is popular, but how are we transitioning as our farmer members um, go through transitions on their farms? Yeah, so I think... Um... You know, you mentioned the Ontario Grain Farmer as a print magazine, and and we definitely know from the feedback we've had from farmer members that they they really like that as as a way to get as a way to you know get communication from us and and hear from us. So um, that's important. And then what you'll see is more and more you'll see in the magazine that there are opportunities to read more about a certain article or a topic in the online version of the magazine, or we'll have online exclusive content. Um, and so that you know helps fit the needs of those who would rather consume that information online. They have access to that format. Um, and we're constantly kind of looking at the site and, and updating it and tweaking it so that it is meeting the needs of farmer members who, who do want to consume content online. I also think um, I had mentioned earlier, you know, we have more and more farmer members starting to use social media as probably one of their first ways of getting the news of the day or getting information. And so uh, we're working really hard to be really engaged and share a lot of content across our channels. We have the three. So we have a, you know, we have an Ontario grain farmer, uh, you know, Twitter handle, and that allows us to share the magazine information. And then we have the um, grain farmers of Ontario handle, which allows us to share a lot of information from, you know, commodity marketing prices uh, to our latest news releases to you know, industry news that we we want to um, uh, you know, promote or support, uh, and then our good in every grain, which is again the more consumer focused handle. But I know that a lot of our our members um, also follow that handle, and I think they like seeing the the consumer outreach that we're doing. And then above and beyond that, we're looking at um, 
you know, what other ways can, can, should we be using email? Should we be using e-newsletters? We have our Grain Talk podcast now. Um, you know, I, I, there's some work that we can be doing in video. So it's always looking at things like that and, and asking ourselves, um, where, where are our farmer members? And, uh, you know, is that audience growing on that channel? And then yes. Okay. How do we get on that channel and make sure it's a place they can go to for good information from us? Before COVID-19 um, pandemic started, we had started to develop our presence with webinars and that's actually working fairly well now in this time of social distancing and home isolation where we've already started with webinars and, and that's something now that we can offer this spring where farmers aren't traditionally going to those grower meetings that they or agronomy sessions that they might have otherwise had access to the webinar or um, conference calls, um, maybe even just slide sharing, like deck sharing online. Um, I think that all of those are, A, I think they're very important right now. I mean, as you said, with, with, with so many people isolating and working from home, it's a great way to make up for those missing in-person meetings and, and opportunities. Um, but I, I would imagine that even going forward, these will stay, right? Like I, I think now we know we can do it. We've seen the impact and effectiveness of it. Um, I think people are more comfortable because they were forced to be comfortable using webinars and, and video conferencing as a format. And so now that we've developed this comfort with it as a society, how do we as Green Farmers of Ontario um, ensure that we're providing content in that format for our farmer members? And I think that's the type of thing you'll see us doing more and more of. We've done a lot on the farmer wellness side and then uh, quite a bit on the agronomy side. And you're going to see more on the research and, and even um, communications, general communication side. And, and how do we take advantage of that? So I think that you're, you hit the nail on the head because, um, you know, those formats are, were, were growing in importance and then they skyrocketed in, in importance. And I think they're going to, they're going to, um, they're going to, they're going to keep that trajectory. Like I think they're still going to be, they're going to be more important than ever, even when we're allowed to see each other in person again. So other than adapting to new technologies and new ways of communicating with consumers and farmer members, what do you see as a priority for communications, say for the next 10 years? We, we talked a while ago when I first joined and, and I think I spoke a lot about this then, and we've done some good work in this and we're going to continue. But I think, um, I, I talked about being where the audience is and we know that the consumer is on their phone. We actually know that our farmer members are, you know, more and more on their phone and um, online and, and expecting that digital information. And so from a farmer member standpoint, it's what we discussed where you, you figure out the channels where, where our farmer members are getting information and then make sure that we're providing the best information we can there and that we're there to answer questions on those channels for them and then from a public standpoint it's you know take a look at where they are and how are they getting the information i think more so on the public side there's a there's a tendency to get your information from the first you know six things you see when you do a google search and so knowing that and knowing that behavior that human behavior um, what can we do to be in those top six searches? And I think that that will be vital for the next few years. And I couldn't say 10 years because I don't know what this world is going to look like, right? The world shifted dramatically over the last few months. And, and in the same breath, like we see things going on in terms of virtual reality experiences and all these things on the consumer side that could impact 
how they consume content and where they go to look for it. Um, and so that, that could shift dramatically, but I, I do think no matter what, uh, consumers and the general population are still going to be on phones, tablets, digital, whatever shape that takes in the future. That is where we have to focus, um, a significant amount of our efforts to, in terms of being where they are and getting good information in front of them and making the information really, um, palatable to them. Uh, it, you know, how do we, how do we explain the importance of all the different inputs for all different kinds of farming? Uh, no matter what, what practices you have, you, how, how do we explain why those practices are good and produce good food in Ontario and make that really resonate with a, with a consumer in such a way that, that they'll understand it and, uh, and, and take that information in and share that information back out um, and so they're doing that with good information instead of, you know, bad information. Um, well, again, the um, April May magazine of the Ontario Grain Farmer does have our 10th anniversary look back with communication. So please be sure to uh, read that and, and look for it online as well. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today, Victoria. Thanks, Rachel. Joining me today, I have our chair, Marcus Hurl. How are you, Marcus? Going well, yourself? I'm good. So how's planting going? I feel like there's been some snow in parts of Ontario, some colder weather for this time of year, but I think farmers are getting the crop in the ground. So how are you doing with that? Well, so uh, you're right. Like we we did have those uh, period periodical snow uh, squirrels come through and it, uh, it puts always a question mark where and what we should do during that time period. But uh, we learned from last year, if we don't take an opportunity to plant, uh, it might not come around again. So uh, here in Eastern Ontario, uh, I would have to say probably 80% of the crop is in the ground. Uh, that's even considering, uh, well, with some of the, uh, the weather patterns, uh, but it turned dry for quite a while. And uh, without saying it too out, too much too loud uh, a good shower would actually do good because the soil is still fairly cold and the uh, warm rain would warm this up uh, for the seed that is in the ground so i'm hoping that the rest of the province is advancing as much as we are i know down in essex county planting has started now as well in the heavy clay soils and uh i think they are probably more than a month ahead of last year so uh, that's a good thing that this is actually happening. Mm -hmm. That is good. Uh, definitely um, better progress than this time last year. So that's awesome. Yes. And I think they are calling for rain this weekend. So hopefully it is warm and uh, everyone will be progressing well. Yeah, because uh, just to add a little bit to this conversation, uh, the, um, uh, the situation in the grain sector is actually quite depressed and uh, because of pricing challenges and uh, contract delays. And so a good crop in the ground, uh, it doesn't cover all those losses, but at least that there's some, uh, some positive behind the 2020 cropping year. That's good. So speaking of uh, some of the struggles facing the grain sector right now, we recently launched a BRM campaign. So can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what the goal of that is? Grain Farmers Ontario um, 
uh, has rolled out the uh, government relation BRM uh, campaign uh, focused uh, generally onto the federal government. Because uh, two weeks ago, when the federal government announced uh, dollars going to agriculture, uh, the grain sector was not even mentioned in uh, any of the um, COVID packages that government has rolled out. The grain sector has not been recognized in one way or another. And uh, so we decided uh, to launch uh, a campaign focused directly to address the shortfall of uh, business risk management tools that are available to us, uh, lack of dollars in those programs, and uh, that uh, it actually has, the COVID crisis is having impact onto the grain sector which is maybe somewhat different to the Western provinces, but here in Eastern Canada, uh, we're growing corn, soybeans, wheat. Uh, corn has been depressed in price significantly. I, uh, again, overnight, uh, the uh, the corn price in Chicago dropped again. Like U.S. price is getting very close to $3 only. And uh, yes, we do have a low Canadian dollar that offsets a little bit of this loss that we're having uh, under Chicago, but there are still delays of shipping, of contract cancellations, uh, cash flow issues at the farm level. And uh, we need government to address the situation as quick as possible. And so you mentioned BRM. So we're not, we're not specifically asking the government just to for some compensation or a handout, it's we want those programs to be um, brought up to what we need them for, right? Yes, that's right. And uh, what uh, is important to uh, to remember here, Ontario has a very good RMP program, the uh, where the uh, principles of the program are exactly addressing the need of the challenges that the Ontario grain farmer is facing. The drop in prices, higher input costs, that's all calculated within the cost of production. So if you, uh, if Premier Ford is taking this message that we're sending to the federals and using it to his benefit to access more dollars flowing from the federal government to the province, that he can look at a fully funded RMP program that would be the perfect fit of what uh, the outcome of this campaign would be. But with uh, having dialogue uh, every second day with uh, AFC officials uh, on the uh, COVID conference calls that they host, it's really apparent that uh, they're not even recognizing that the grain sector has a challenge in front of them. That's because they're basing a lot of their figures only on Western Canadian production. And that's uh, actually a very frustrating part that we're hearing because it it's saying, well, Eastern Canada, fight for yourself. And uh, I, we are done fighting for ourselves. That's why our campaign is strong, is pointed directly to the government levels that actually have the power to put more money forward. That's right. That's great. Um, so part of that campaign is an ad. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about why we chose to do that ad and kind of what it's about? Yes. So the uh, the complete ad was de- it's basically designed to show the consumer, first of all, of what 
impact grain has on their daily consumption of food. Uh, empty shelves that are actually showing up uh, periodically in uh, grocery stores. Um, the uh, the farmer that's struggling with uh, having access to the marketplace. And then uh, 30, the stress that the farmers have around this and government uh, downloading a, an increase in carbon tax. Um, and we are competing on the world stage against our neighbor country, which uh, again, put $19 billion into a compensation package that the US farmer is gonna be able to sell their crop at a lower price and we're gonna to have to compete against that because uh, they're not gonna look for top dollars. They already have the offset in their hand. So where do we fit in all this? We're actually being um, downgraded to a, a second way of marketing that uh, where we have to use more dom domestically and domestic production or even uh, value added is being depressed as well because the beef, pork, poultry, ethanol sector, all are facing huge losses. They all ratcheting back on uh, production. Well, our crops, they're gonna be just stockpiled in bins. So, uh, and crop in a bin doesn't create you cash flow. So with all this, uh, our campaign is built that uh, we launch first a campaign in uh, through social media, television, radio, and then have it there for a period of time where we can engage with uh, MPs in Ottawa and uh, with some senators. Actually, I'm already having some conversation with some of those people uh, on why we're doing this and how they can help us out uh, to achieve our goal. And uh, we also want to get our farmer members engaged with having phone call setups that uh, the farmer has gonna be able to call in directly to their member of parliament, where we do the interlink with them, that they can have the conversation that then becomes a one-to-one -one conversation that is actually uh, truthful, that's hitting their bottom line, their, they can tell their story. And uh, I think it's worth a lot more than if it's just a general message that we're putting out, if it comes from an individual. That's right. That's awesome. So that's that's good. We're, we have the ad to get a broader attention span, but there are those smaller things for our members to reach out directly. So um, that's great if they uh, want to reach out to their MPs and tell them their story. Uh, so is there anything else that you wanted to add? Well, uh, on this uh, whole initiative that uh, GFO is putting forward through the campaign, uh, I'm asking that uh, farmer members are uh, maybe taking a step by themselves as well. So I, I'm urging everybody to maybe take five minutes off your day. I know we're in uh, planting season, but uh, on a rainy day, that's uh, hopefully coming up uh, one of those days uh, that uh, we uh, were able to take those five minutes and interact with those individuals to keep that campaign at the high level that, um, the uh, first of all, that Ontario government, and I am saying more, maybe Premier Ford, has the support from the uh, the Ontario farmer to go to Ottawa and 
get those extra dollars that we require to for uh, get the fully funded RMP program. That would be the uh, scenario that we're aiming for. And uh, I think we all have a part to do in this to achieve a goal for the long term. That's great. Well, hopefully we see some movement on that soon. Um, and our members, as Marcus just said, make sure you reach out. Thanks, Marcus, so much for taking the time to give us an update. I'll uh, let you get back to uh, planting or whatever you're up to on the farm today. Yeah, well, thank you very much. and Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Victoria Berry and Marcus Hurl. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.